Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello and welcome to this episode on terrified of and starved for vulnerability. Such an interesting topic. And we have Ken Mossman with us, who's a fabulous, fabulous coach. And Ken has been specializing on coaching men in particular for the last two decades. Ken's from upstate New York. Welcome, Ken. Thank you, Deepa. Glad to be here. Excellent. So what an interesting topic. Why are men terrified of vulnerability? Well, I think the main reason men are terrified of vulnerability is because vulnerability has gotten a bad name. And it's been conflated with uh, weakness and helplessness. And men don't want to appear, well, no one really wants to appear weak and helpless, but men in particular don't want to appear helpless or needy or any of the things that the culture has typically associated with vulnerability. So let's start there. Yeah, I also get this, you know, you see pictures of men at the gym or men being strong. There is a notion of men being strong, men being self-sufficient, men being there to provide. And does that in some way get in the way of asking for help? Because asking for help is in a way saying that I don't know the answer. I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Well, there's a couple of things to pull apart there. And one of them is, of course, is there anything wrong with being in charge, quote unquote, in charge? Is there anything wrong with being strong? No, absolutely not. No, uh, using the example of men at the gym, for instance, is of, co- of course, you know, there's a responsibility as an adult to take care of one's physical being. Again, the challenge comes in. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's not okay to ask for help, as if by some magic trick, men are supposed to know the answers, or we put pressure on ourselves to, to, to have the answers. And I think also the culture has expected us to have the answers. That's sort of the way, the way things have gone for certainly generations and generations. And that's an awful lot of pressure. And the outcome is that, again, going back to the vulnerability, is that generally speaking, and I know this isn't 100% the case, but generally speaking, you know, there is this pressure to perform, to provide. And again, is it a bad thing? No. Does it mean that there's some sort of way in which men are automatic, come into the world automatically equipped to do all those things? The answer to that is also <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> As <So>. human beings. <laughs> So it seems like uh, there is a certain tendency to lean on one end of the spectrum of performance, of self-sufficiency, of knowing the answers, of having it all figured out. And moving away from the other end of the spectrum is, I don't know where I'm going. I need support. I am er I'm wrong somewhere. Something is wrong with me showing up. And that's vulnerability also. When you talk about vulnerability, and of course the person who's done, I think, the, the most brilliant work on vulnerability right now, who's doing the most brilliant work on vulnerability is, of course, um, Brene Brown, 
Well, when we look at when we look at vulnerability, well, what is it? And and the things that you named, the asking for help. I don't know the answer. Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm lost, but it doesn't. But I but I might not know the answer. And it's absolutely vulnerable to be asking for help. And it's it's also, by the way, the other thing that's on that end of the spectrum, which wasn't among the things that you listed, but and it's a key. And I know you know this due to the work you do including the work that led to this, to, to create the creation of this podcast is curiosity. Mm. And it, even if we look at, you know, if we just take, if we, if we just, for instance, take leadership and I think there's a connection between leadership and providership and protection and all those things, you know, one has to be willing to take a leadership role. That doesn't mean that one is the, is solely responsible for that leadership for that leadership, it's, it's shared, it's shared organizationally, it's shared in family systems and, you know, leadership without curiosity can become to say the least challenging. Got it. So can you just make it a little bit more concrete? Can you give an example of how this plays out at work? Sure. I think we can make an example of how it plays out at work and how it plays out and it, and it may be worthwhile to point toward some distorted things that are happening in the world of government right now. I don't want to get too political on the one hand. On the other hand, there's some glaring examples uh, out there of, of men in particular whose stake in the ground seems to be, I know best, I know more than anybody else, and I'm not going to ask anybody for help or advice because, because I know. And... First of all, there's no way that one can know that much. It's just not possible. And there's a lack of openness there, which inevitably has to lead to a lack of credibility because one can't know all of those. Not one person can't hold the entire big picture of immensely complex systems. And that's so in governments. And it's certainly so in, yeah, yes, you know, if one is running a small mom and pop business with, very few employees. Yeah, maybe that one person does know more than anybody else in the room on the one hand. On the other hand, as soon as systems begin to become larger and more complex, there's no one person who can know everything that's going on inside a, a Boeing or a Microsoft or a, you know, the automobile dealership down the street that has 150 employees. And especially when you're making decisions in such a big organization, how wrong could we be to say or to think that I know the answer, I'm strong, I can make the decision without consulting others? Yeah, I know the, I, I know the answer, I'm strong. I am the, the, so there's another distinction to be made here too, and that is, yes, you know, one can take responsibility for the entirety of the organization but it's pretty darn impossible to be everywhere on the ground at once in order to make the highest possible quality decisions without consulting another human being. Got it. So that's a fantastic example of how we could play out if, when we are scared of vulnerability, what can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Worst case, actually, best case scenario, you make some bad decisions. Worst case scenario, you blow up the organization. Got it. <laughs> so, so the topic is actually terrified of and starved for vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, so, men are starved for vulnerability. Yeah, I think that I think what men are really starved for is connection and deep connection. 
deep connection in friendships, deep connection in relationships, deep connection with one another. You know, there's kind of a, a, a user limit on the, on the notion of a, of a lone wolf. And I imagine it's something, so, well, I know from my own experience, it's almost like taking a carton of milk and turning it over and seeing that it expired, that it expired a month and a half ago. It's like, oh, okay, maybe I've been going it alone a little bit too long because we are, you know, let's face it, we're social creatures. We do, in fact, need one another. And so it's really connection that men are starved for. And vulnerability is a key piece, again, using Brene Brown's example of vulnerability, you know, that openness, that willingness to engage, the willingness to be curious. That's the piece that is really, it is terrifying because for many men, because we've been socialized to stay away from those things, as you said earlier, to have the answers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to be the quote unquote lone wolf, uh, to not need anybody else, to put on the, the, uh, the, uh, the armor of, or the illusion in order, to, in order to step beyond that. It's a frightening step. It's a frightening step. For many, it is, if, you, if they haven't done that in a long time, it's like the first plunge off the high dive. It's a big deal. Right, right. So what challenges do men face to be more vulnerable? Yeah, it's a good question. Everything starts with awareness. So the first piece is to, is to notice, okay, there's something here that I'm hungry for. And it also takes honesty, and that is, okay, the thing that I'm hungry for is I actually, be, I, I actually want to be in deeper relationships. You know, I want to be making connections that matter. I want to be having conversations that go beyond, beyond sport, uh, beyond business. Uh, not that there's, again, not that there's anything wrong with having conversation about sport or having conversation about business or any of that. But there's a, there's a, to notice, okay, there's a hunger for something beyond that. You know, and oftentimes it's a hunger beyond, I may have a great relationship. For instance, I may, I may be in a great relationship with my wife or my life partner. But that one relationship can't hold all, all of my needs and wants in that hunger for connection with other men, for instance. You know, the first step is notice there's something that I'm longing for and then begin to, I think there's the practice of beginning to develop curiosity. And that is, again, that's a vulnerable, that's a vulnerable piece to ask someone, hey, you want to go sit down and have a cup of coffee? It's almost like dating again, you know? <laughs> um, and I think many ways, it, 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 in many ways it, fe- it feels tougher because in the desire for true connection with the vulnerability that that requires, there's nothing to prove. There's no competition there. So the, the standard measurements are become useless. And that's a scary place to go because how do I tell how I'm doing? You know, am I making a connection here? Am I not making the connection here? I think it, it's dicey when, when one first steps outside of that comfort zone and it does require stepping out of the comfort zone. Because in a way, it's kind of like you're, opening a doorway into yourself in that conversation 
it's not about talking about how the business is going, just like you said. It's not about talking about the sports match. It's really about talking about how are you doing as a person? What's going on with you? What's the answer you're looking for? What's the connection you're looking for? Can you give some examples of what happens in these kind of conversations where you're really building that connection? There's opening the door into yourself and then the question becomes, okay, how do I actually, how well do I actually know myself? If I've been spending all this time, for instance, in the, in, in, in the, in the business world, becoming a subject matter expert, developing my expertise in one area, how much time have I had to actually reflect so there's, there, there's two pieces. There's opening to oneself, and then there's also opening to the unknown. And again, that, that comes right back to the vulnerability piece. I really don't know where this is going to go. If I sit down, whether I sit down with you over a cup of coffee or I sit down with you over a beer, and I have no agenda and nothing to prove, there's no way of knowing where the conversation is going to go. And that, on the one hand, that makes it it's thrilling, you know, because the, the, we also get to be explorers here. And there's no guideposts, there's no maps. So it's going deep into how are you really doing with one another? How are you really doing? Yeah, how are you? How are you really? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So can you give like a tip for men to be less terrified of vulnerability? The the first time out or the first few times out, it will be scary. There's a couple of things that I would suggest. One of them is be willing to go first. The other one is another one is be willing to be to be a little bit frightened. Be willing to fear. Be willing to feel some fear and some trepidation because it's going to be there anyway. And I know that's a big ask because we don't like to do that. So that's the first step. Be willing to be willing to be willing to take the risk and go first and play with that question. How how you doing? Okay, now how are you doing really? <laughs> it's a great place to start, for one thing, because it's, it's real and it's kind of fun. And, and, and it's going to take people by surprise. Now, the, the flip side of that is be willing to have the question asked of yourself, because if you do go there, chances are really good that the person that you're in conversation with is going to, after they get done with, answering there, how are they really? They're going to ask you. And that doesn't mean to have a pre-written script out ready to rock and roll, but be prepared to be asked the same question and be willing to share whatever comes up in the moment. (laughs) I wonder how that conversation will be. And thank you. (laughs) Thanks very much, Ken, for being here with us. And would you like to share one last message before we close this episode? Sure. In March, I'm going to be launching the second iteration of my Integrated Adult Man Teleclass. And if you're curious about that, you can find information on my, on the classes page of my website, uh, cirruscoaching.com. And if this has sparked some interest, we it's a it's a it's a, a three month program where we're going to take a deep dive into not just this, but uh, lots of other aspects of of the multi-dimensional, beautiful, complex uh, world of, of adulthood, which most people are not familiar with. So it's going to be a cool ride. Thanks, Ken. I'll put the links in there. Thanks very much for being here with us. Thanks, Deepa. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. 
That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.